if I've got, I don't know, maybe five or 10 minutes and I want a quick release, you know the kind, I know the exact toy that'll do the trick. Or I know the exact friction and rhythm to deliver with my hands in order to do it too. But if I want to slow things way down for a totally different experience, when I'm not in a rush, when I can spend some true quality time with myself, there's some very specific accessories that I like to grab. Sometimes I blindfold myself or I dim the lights really low. Sometimes I use a feather up and down my arms while vibey music plays in the background. Sometimes I get as much of my body involved as I possibly can. I run my hands through my hair, down my face, and I let my fingers dance all over the surface of my skin. I put pressure on my inner thighs. I take my sweet time seducing myself before ever touching my genitals. And when I'm properly warmed up and efficiently lubed up, one of my favorite new bedroom accessories to reach for is the Oh My C from Ioba. I'm not sure what mechanism is in this thing, but the toy has a little nub that rotates at different speeds, so it mimics the sensation of being orally stimulated. It's nice, it's light, and it's quiet. Sometimes the sounds of my toys can actually take me out of my experience, so a softer, quieter toy is incredibly appreciated. I make sure to take deep breaths as I let the pleasure and sensation build, breathing it throughout my body, and when the time is just right, I pick up the speed of the rotation and I ride a full body wave of ecstasy. This is one of many acts of devotion I choose to regularly deliver to myself. And it's not about what my partner can or cannot give to me. It's about taking time to be with myself in my pleasure, doing anything and everything that feels good for me. If you're looking for a quiet, high-quality, beginner-friendly, super-cute vibe that doesn't actually vibe too hard, my personal recommendation is the Oh My See from Ioba. See the show notes for details and a discount. I'm Alexa, also known as That Sex Chick. And if you haven't guessed it by now, I love talking about sex. Not only talking about it, but I'm obsessed with helping you create an epic sex life while cultivating deeply fulfilling relationships. There's so much more to the conversation than just the act of sex itself, which is why I created this podcast. You can expect this show to be packed with resources, advice, experts, and everyday people talking about how they have created the best sex and love lives for them. If you are ready to take responsibility for your pleasure, then you are in the right place. Now, let's go talk sex, shall we? This is a Soulfire production. Miss Madeline Moon, I am so excited to have you on That Sex Check the Podcast. Mm. So how I, how you came into my field, put on my radar... Well, first off, I think the very first point of contact and recommendation was by um, someone who's also been on the show, Dominic Cortuccio, who I absolutely love. I've known him for many years and he just keeps getting better and better and better. If I think that that man is just like, oh, that is such a good man. Every time I like interact with him again, I'm like, oh, you're even better than I remember. Um, but I remember he put us in a text and he was like, Lex, you got to know this lady. Um, she'd be a great um, interviewee on your show. And so I was like, oh, well, anybody that you suggest, absolutely, I am here for that. And then I said your name inside my office and my assistant, Bryn, 
goes, did you say Madeline Moon? And I said, yes. She goes, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> and then she responds, I just joined Sisu, Sisu Society. Oh, that friend. Yes. Oh, the same, that's the same person. Okay. Yes. Okay, I know. It's all coming together. And she had a total fangirl moment. And from, and the rest of that day was very entertaining because she showed me some videos and some projects and some different like things that you have online and, um, just seeing her light up and then the topic of embodiment, um, and what flowed for us. And then how that, how it started with a little fangirl moment, of, oh, you're going to have Madeline Moon on the show. That's amazing. I love that. I'm so excited to, how can we infuse more embodiment inside of our coaching containers? And, and just like the whole progression of like you and talking about what you do to how that then in one day started to trickle and translate into how we run our business was so beautiful. And so, you know, just going through that, I was even more excited to have you come onto the show. Hmm. Can I ask what you learned then by the end of that conversation of um, how you bring more embodiment? into yes. the way that you do business? I will then flip over. You are now the podcast <laughs> questioner. Uh, yep, but <laughs> I got it. So I run different group programs and there's one program in particular that I had been running that has a decent amount of embodiment, has music and meditations and different ways that I guide people through things. But very recently, we've been doing a lot of business coaching. And when I get on the calls with people, we go right into it. And there's not a moment of dropping in. There's not a, uh, necessarily... Not every call is there a designated spot to check in with their body to, you know, it, it just wasn't, um, it was like, let's get in and get shit done. And had a very like masculine edge to it without any real like availability for movement or uh, spaciousness or maybe even a little bit of flow. And so um, we were taking a look at our upcoming calls and just saying, okay, well, at the beginning of each one of these things, we're going to do these different things mm-hmm. so that, and then asking people like, how is your heart? And what are you feeling and tracking sensation and maybe even doing um, just like other little curious things that they are, have not been introduced to yet because we've been in a business coaching container. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's really powerful work. Um, Cause that's where that's truly what you're describing right now is combining the very steadfast masculine approach that a lot of our world runs runs with when we build our businesses which is not a bad thing at all and i want to make it very clear that that is not hustle that's not perfectionism uh people get that confused the pure masculine is about direction but it's also about stillness and um it's a very very crucial ingredient into having a successful business we have to have that stillness to actually drop in but when we combine it with our physical body sensations, with our womb space, either either um, expanding or contracting, or our like just those teeny tiny little inklings that we may feel in our pinky finger, it's like mm, that doesn't feel right. We need those moments of stillness and of silence and of physically touching our own bodies to know if that next business idea is actually aligned with what we want. Or it's just the coolest thing that other Instagram gals are doing right now to be a boss babe. Like we we li- really live in that time where it gets really fucking confusing, and slowing down is the crucial ingredient to know whether it's a time of 
of reaping or sowing, growing, shedding? Where are we in our personal cycle? Where are we in our life cycle? Are we in the Saturn return, man? Like, you know, it just, there's so many different times. And so, yeah, it's it's even slowing down for like two minutes before going deep into the the brain really serves combining that feminine with that masculine. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a a beautiful reminder for us too. And, you know, we have put all kinds of like soft pinks and rose golds and all these like plants and things in the office to have it have that feminine edge um, or feminine softness just in the space because typically what we're doing in here is very direct and we're um making decisions and organizing things and all of that and so um and that conversation too it was like oh how are we doing this in our own interactions within our own personal you know we just come to the office and it's like hey what's on the to-do list like how about you know both of us uh brent and i both are we play sound bowls and so, okay, but they're in the case. So let's get the sound bowls out. Let's put them in our line of sight. Let's come into the office and do this, this, and this instead, you know, on at least a couple of the days. And so, um, yeah, beautiful reminders. And some of those things that I have had seasons of life where that's really been a part of what I do and, and, and how I move and how I be. And then it's very interesting because I, I oftentimes will have this idea Oh, well, now this is the way I do things. It's never going to change. And then all of a sudden I realize I wake up one day, I'm like, oh shit, I haven't done that thing that I thought was ingrained in me that I learned. It's been a long time since I've done it. So I'd say ebbs and flows. Um, Mm. And I love your response and the softness and the the slowness, even as you articulate what you just articulated. Mm. So I'm looking forward to hearing some more perspectives on the like masculine, feminine, the flow, Mm. the, you know, all of that. So um, before we jump into some of those particular topics, I would love for our listeners to get a taste of who Madeline Moon is and how you found your way into embodiment and intimacy and all of this yeah. juiciness. Yeah. Yeah. Who is Madeline? Mm-hmm. Let's see. So um, I always tend to start the story in the same place, but I'm going to, I'm feeling like skipping over some of the childhood dramatic details <laughs> and summarizing that part because um, it's becoming less and less uh, of the center stage of, of the story you know it's an interesting time where this story has been so a part of me and this has been a major year of healing a lot of the childhood things that led me up to where I am now I was raised in a, a very 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 emotionally spiritually psychologically verbally abusive household didn't realize it until about two years ago um, because I thought that's the way everybody was. That's the way our world works. That's the way we treat each other. And we're always left in the cold and unvalidated and confused. And so I would say that the first 18 years of my life were my dark night of the soul. And um, I'm so grateful for it. I'm so grateful for it because it's taught me the depths of um, uh what is the opposite of truth like it's not lying but like and I don't want to use the word unauthentic because I don't really like the word authentic anymore um but I was I was there was such a distance you know intimacy is about heart-to-heart connection holding eye contact breathing each other's bodies at least in the way that I feel intimacy it's not about sharing our secrets it's about deep deep unbreakable presence 
And if we do break the presence, we come right back. It's, it's about that beautiful cord that we connect with the plant in front of us, the phone in front of us, the food in front of us, the human in front of us. It's that cord that we are devoted in that moment to creating, to feeling, embodying. And I didn't have that growing up at all. Um, I had a mother who I never knew if she liked me or didn't, loved me or didn't. And the psychological tactics that were used were so obliterating to the human spirit. And I still, to this day, am having these moments of uncovering and, and feeling the grief for my inner, my little girl. And truly, that grief is like, I mean, that's where God lives for me now. I had to find a way to um, make peace with the grief that I was feeling because it was going to destroy me. And mm-hmm. as a child, I leaned into um, like OCD behaviors, accounted things. I, I got really obsessed with calories. I became a bodybuilder as I got older and made myself really small, 6% body fat, bulimia, anorexia, everything you can think of. And I remember in my second bodybuilding show, I was just like torn to bits. And I was like, why do I hate myself? Why do I feel like everybody hates me and God hates me? And I didn't know at the time the psychological stuff in my childhood. So I was just like, well, I, I, it's up to me to fix it. It started with me. It didn't, but it started with me. And now I'm responsible for it. And thank God I had that approach, that mindset. Because it, I, I, I was 22 years old. And I left where I lived in Texas, like in the middle of the night, I literally packed up my bags. I figured out how to get a, a subleaser over my apartment within 24 hours, left all my things out on the side of the road for people to pick up. And I went to the mountains. I was 22. Didn't know a single person in this new town. Went to Colorado, got this little apartment and uh, really went inward. It was like the trek of Inanna where I just went into the underworld and I stripped all of these things that I thought I needed in order to be loved. Like at the time it was the gym and counting calories and being thin and and over the course of a year, I started gaining weight. Um, I'm still a very privileged, thin, able-bodied human being. At the time for me, though, it was a big difference. I didn't really see, uh, I had such deep body dysmorphia that me gaining like five pounds was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I started my podcast. Uh, I was like, I want to interview people on how they how they like eat and how they love their bodies. And that was seven, I think now it's like probably eight years ago. But I started doing that. And then I started doing this body course and then disorder eating coaching and then becoming a coach coach and then all these things. And through that journey, like that to me is the starting point, the body stuff. It's it's to me now it's like the the, the surface level of it. But wow, what an entry point. Because at the same time, while now it's in my mind, I'm like, you know, counting calories was the surface of the of the real pain and anguish that was going on within me, just the little coping mechanism, but it still had to do with the body. So when I look at it through that lens, I'm so fascinated at how I treated my body, controlling my body, trying to make my body feel safe. Um, because my nervous system response, like literally in my nervous system, when I was feeling too feminine, too soft, too, too at ease, too unstructured, 
and definitely too emotional. I, you, my nervous system said, tighten up, mm-hmm. lose weight, get smaller, build like a strong foundation of armor. Don't feel your womb space. Stop the flow. Stop the period. Everything was saying fucking tighten up. Mm-hmm. And over the course of the last seven or eight years, I've gone really deep into several areas, like you said earlier, intimacy, like true, true intimacy with my own body and the mess and the chaos and the thunderstorms within me and the lightning bolts within me, all those different archetypes of the sacred slut, the raging bitch, the protective mother, like all of those energies that I was never introduced to and never encouraged to have. I was only supposed to be one flavor. Like, it was, you know, Moon's my real last name. And I remember as a child being told all the time, like, be the good moon girl, like fucking be the good moon girl. And so I had all these concepts of what moon was supposed to be. And another fun fact, my mother's maiden name is Pope, patriarchy. Mm. My father's last name is Moon. And so I believe that I believe our paths for our lifetimes is written in our names. Mm hmm. So Madeline means high tower, and there's a lot of ways in my life that I've been a tower. I've been a uh, a lighthouse for people, and with my show, my podcast, my leadership, and also I've distanced myself. I've been I've been so far from intimacy with people, with life, with God, with the world, with my grief. I've been a tower locked in the tower like Rapunzel, and my trek, my journey, moving from Pope to Moon moving from patriarchy and um, living life in a teeny tiny box over to the moon, the phases, the chaos, the feminine as that tower has been fucking unbelievable. Uh, going like by, by embracing more of that tower and more of that structure, I've actually gone deeper into the well mm-hmm. of grief, of, of intimacy, of love, of sex, of pain and pleasure and being devoted to all of it. I'm feeling very like poetic today. <laughs> so I'm using all these different like <laughs> metaphors and archetypes. Um, that's where I, that's how I like to describe myself today is that that's what I do. And that's how I got here. <laughs> I was thinking that I was like, she sounds very poetic <laughs> yeah. and it's beautiful. I mean, I don't get to have conversations like this very frequently and that's um, in a sense, unfortunate. You know, a lot of times, I mean, in my own personal life and with my friendships and stuff, we go really deep and, um, and cultivate what you just outlined as intimacy, um, and then showing each other how to, to really develop the, 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 like you said, internal, the the personal intimacy, intimacy within self, Mm -hmm. um, and then with each other. And so it is, um, it's some, it's, it's a conversation that I get to have. I'm fortunate that I have friendships that, and for the first time in my life at 32, I have those friendships now, but it's taken all the way up to now to be in a place where I could handle those kinds of relationships. And I could handle being an intimacy like that. And, and not just like lovey dovey, let's go cuddle and be intimate, but let me show, let me help you to see all of you, which is the full spectrum of humanness and accept it and love it and, you know, strive to be better and also be where you're at and all of that. And so, um, outside of the friendships, conversations with other women just day to day, 
sometimes is painful, Mm. (laughs) you know, um, just the, the, yeah. And if I may say so, because I'm sure a lot of people Mm -hmm. relate to that listening. And it's also, that's the practice Mm -hmm. that is, that is the highest state of devotion is to actually be with all different, like, you know, shallow people, mean people, like, or petty people. And this doesn't mean that we let go of our boundaries and we're like, yes, I'm a martyr. Let's just like become best friends, even though I can't stand our conversations. Doesn't mean, and I think a lot of people get confused about that. Like, oh, if my practice is to arrive as unconditional love, I guess I should still go to that birthday party and still hang out with them. Um, like for like my, my mother is not in my life anymore. She hasn't been in my life now for a year. And, um, she's also my greatest teacher. She's my greatest teacher. And mm-hmm. her being my teacher doesn't mean that I welcome her into my home to come teach me. She's teaching me. Um, I, I had Trevor Hall on my podcast once and I was going through like the, the deep shit with my mom back then, mm-hmm. like, really just entering it. And I remember asking him a question about this of like boundaries. And he said something just so Trevor Holly. He was just like, well, when you see a lion like in the safari, you, you just salute it. You don't go up to it and stick your hand out. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so I see, see like people and, and those kinds of half-hearted friendships in that similar way of when you're ready to clean, clean your plate and, and, freshly I don't want to use the word rid but like <laughs> be free from these connections um how can you how can you salute something from afar and say I, I honor you and I see you as there's God in you and um I choose not to engage in this way in this way and sometimes we do choose to engage because we love certain things about this person and then the practice becomes to be in their presence and to be, it, to be so detached from like, how do I describe this? It's, it's, you're so sure of who you are. There's no need to prove to them that there's a more spiritual way or a more feminine way or a more embodied way. You just be it. And that's a very powerful practice as well. If you choose to have those people in your life that you also kind of don't agree with their life choices is just being the practice with them. Mm. But it's certainly not perfect. That is um, relevant at the point of this uh, podcast recording because we are recording around the holiday time. And so thank you for that reminder. As I, in the next couple of weeks, will be surrounded by two sets of family <laughs> and a reminder to to be it. Of course, the Ram Dass quote comes to, to mind in the, if you think you're so enlightened, go spend a week with your family. Uh, yep. I just said that yesterday, actually, to someone. Yep. Yeah, for sure. They are definitely the reminders and, um, and that permission for, which I said in your intro of you being the walking, talking permission slip for just about anything and everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and hearing you say that, of course, the permission slip too. And thank you, Trevor Hall. Wise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't have to engage with the lion. Mm-hmm. Salute it. Honor it. I love that so much. So I'm curious about your, your phase in the, or your, your path in the journey of coming, having all, all of these realizations and then eventually it leading you to do this work. What did that uh, look like? Was, were you doing something different? You know, did you stay in Colorado for a long time? Um, I know physically your physical location is in Colorado. Is that right? No, 
uh-uh, actually, I, I went to New York City, and then I'm now in L.A. Right. Yeah. All the way across. Yeah. Yeah. So your transition into, I want to do this work. Was there something in particular that moved you into it? And what did it look like? Yeah. So I, I got really interested in feminine masculine when I was in Boulder. And I think I had maybe one guest on my podcast that just spoke ever so lightly about feminine and masculine. And my entire body was like, Oh, yes. (laughs) And it's, I have these memories that come to me now as an adult woman of being a child and being interested in this. Like, I've been recently so fascinated of this one memory that keep, keeps coming to me when, um, so I was raised in a Christian household. Same. Yeah. And it wasn't Christian at all, but it was, if you know what I'm saying. Same. And uh, <laughs> I remember when I was 15, you know, and I had to go to church three times a week and I also had a boyfriend who went to the church that I went to and um, I wanted to write him like a love poem. And I remember flipping open to Song of Solomon and like reading this passage and my whole body was like, oh my God, honey and anointments and like juices and beauty and roses and petals, like all the words in that book were like, whoa. And I, I wrote out some of the stuff to my boyfriend I went to the church and I gave it to him. And I was like, this is my favorite scripture. It's like for us. And I remember being grounded like that week from like my my mother grounded me because I was reading a part of the Bible I wasn't now allowed to read. And I didn't know that. Again, just very confusing because this is the book I'm supposed to be reading all the time. And then apparently I'm not allowed to. And I'm a bad girl and God doesn't love me anymore. Like all this came with it. And I was so confused because it's like, this is his book. <laughs> but that kind of stuff, I remember now being a child and a, a teenager and so immersed in something that was poetic about intimacy and love. I didn't want to just like book. I wanted to like feel God in eye contact, in touch. I wanted that even as a kid. And then it got turned off through shame and then I came back to it. So I would say my whole life I've been interested in that kind of depth. But in Colorado, after I had this one particular guest in the show, I remember this like, this is where I'm going now. And I jumped in so fast. I like made a workbook and then I did like, like called myself quickly a feminine masculine teacher and this and this and this. And sweet, poor Madeline. She had no idea what she was doing, but it's great because it got me started. And I don't think anything about what I wrote and said was wrong. It just needed to crystallize as time went on. And I found these two teachers. um, Well, I found David Data, who I've not worked personally with, but I've worked with John Wineland who is like the modernized kind of David Data energy. Very different though as well. And my other teacher, Kendra Kunov, and I went through a two-year immersive with both of them together. And uh, that was when I learned what embodiment is. And uh, it's, it's, words can't, words can't do it. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. embodiment is all about using the body. And I had, gone through two of the most intense years of my life with them using my body to display the depths of pain inside me and being really pushed to go there. Not just how do you feel, but fucking show me how you feel with every fiber in your being for the next 90 seconds. Give it to me, all of it. And like learning how to go from, I'm having a good day. 
to like hopping on a call with them and then being challenged to do that in front of the whole group that we were with and then go back to my normal day. That kind of agility is what changed my life, is learning how to move from immense pleasure and turn on to the darkest despair I've ever felt within like two minutes. So now my emotional realm is so practiced and so stretched that I can go from being turned on by myself to then being in work mode to then being on my knees in grief to then be lifting my hair, my hands up in, in praise and celebration. Like that kind of agility is available to me. And that that's what I bring to my love, to my beloved, to my love making. It's that kind of fluidity of being able to meet meet the moment where the moment is at, um, wherever it's shifting to. And that just helps in every single arena of life of like feeling into um what like what you're sensing from your partner, what you are sensing from the moment, what you're sensing from your own body. And that kind of attention to the subtleties. Mm-hmm. is where intimacy lives, I think, is mm-hmm. in the subtleties of the breath and the subtleties of the touch and the subtleties of um, how you're holding your body if it's caved in and closed or if it's open, mm-hmm. available. Are you, are you penetrable? Are you holding your body in a way that's penetrable? Like truly, that is, that's the transmission of the feminine. The, the, the true feminine is penetrable meaning she's open she's open to feeling god as she does the dishes she's open to feeling love where she did not expect love could be because she's open and that doesn't mean that she doesn't have the sacred bejeweled shield with her always available but she knows when she needs it when she doesn't she's able to like soften that shield or create more armor around that shield if need be, but her heart can remain open as she has that protection. We don't have to be so so, uh, hard and edgy, even though we think we do because of our experiences in life. We can use those things to catalyze, to launch and catapult ourselves into um, feeling more alive. Like those hardships are actually the very ingredients needed to open. Not to further justify our closure off of love, but actually to open deeper into love. Mm. That's beautiful. And that was way, way more than uh, the original question. But I and I love that because it listening to you kind of took me on a little um, imaginative journey, you know, in my memories and especially talking about the subtleties. And that's where intimacy lies and thinking about the times when I've noticed something that was like a split second of something that happened in the person I was paying absolute attention to for them to feel like they could fully let that go or fully come, come into that moment. And then, Oh, I can trust you intimacy. Like uh, uh, that, that's really beautiful. A really lovely way to, to describe that. And um, I have a really dear friend, her name's Ariana Joy, and she teaches something for coaches called trauma and somatics, where she goes in and helps people understand what is trauma informed and what's working in trauma and, and working with trauma and then somatics, putting the body into it. And so that's something that uh, my EA and I did very recently. And we did a lot of converse, conversating. Of course, we did some environment practices and everything too. That was on the subtlety. We spent a whole conversation on what are subtleties and how to pay attention and all of that. And it's incredible. So 
for those, and I'll, I'll just point this out. Um, my, this show is listened to a wide variety of people. Um, I oftentimes get introduced to people when they are just at the cusp of going on a journey, like they've been on their life journey. Maybe there's been some stagnation. They're wanting more from their life, especially when it comes to intimacy, sex, relationships, that kind of thing. Usually, um, hence why this is called that sex chick is that a lot of times in conversations between two people, I don't know, one will say to the other, well, have you heard of that? Uh, Alexa Martinez, she's that sex chick. And so then they'll share my group or they'll share this podcast or they'll share something. And that's where I get introduced to a person and it's usually pretty close on their journey. Um, and so usually people stick with me though. And so as they grow and as they broaden their horizons, they stick around. Um, so I would say that there's a nice chunk of people that are just getting started. And for those people that are hearing this particular episode, chances are they might, have, they might be listening to the things that you've said so far. And maybe some of the stuff that I've said, and some people are like, this is beautiful and it sounds lovely, but I'm still not quite sure <laughs> what they're really talking about. So I would love to give a little bit of a foundation of when we say things like, an embodiment practice, or when we talk about, we touched on intimacy already, but when you say, okay, I, I went deep down the rabbit hole, I jumped in right away with masculine feminine. So let's say somebody's come to this show. Maybe they even found me because of some of the kink education. Let's say they have no idea about what we're talking about here. How would you describe some of this to them? Sure. Yeah. So, um, I might close my eyes for a little bit as I talk sure. on this because it helps me to drop in and, and stay on one thread. When I like I'm talking to someone, I see them, I'm like, let's just like keep going. And yeah, I need to focus on what I'm saying with this one. So um feminine and masculine in the lineage that I've learned from with the David Data work, John and Kendra, um there are many different ways that people go into feminine masculine. If you go on Instagram and you search for these hashtags, you're going to see a lot about hustle and softness or drive and vulnerability. And that is not uh, the embodiment lingo we use for these words. Masculine, I, I might lose some of you, so I'll go really, um, let me know if, if you want me to, me to on sure. something because even these words a little bit like, I'm like I trust this process <laughs> yeah okay good so masculine is consciousness feminine is energy breaking that down even more masculine is like nothingness almost it's in, whereas feminine is everything the opposite so it's yin and yang the sun and moon um the masculine energy being that it's consciousness that's earlier when i was saying stillness it's very similar like the masculine part of you contrary to what you probably hear it's not about going 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 it's about being able to be incredibly still it's that warrior energy that has his equipment that he needs to go fight his battles but he doesn't need to wave around his sword for all to see egotistically. That's what the wounded masculine does. We see that all the time with men with their power and the patriarchy. You know, when, when they want to dominate instead of having a dominion. That's what the masculine can do in all of us. 
And so that's where the hustle does work with the masculine. That kind of energy can fit into the masculine because when you are still, you are focused. And then you can go out and you can face your demons and you can face your battles and have the hero's journey. That is all true. When we talk about polarity and intimacy, and let's say we have a couple, there's a man and a woman for the sake of this example, and he is going to embody the masculine, which I just said was consciousness, and she's going to embody the feminine, which I said is energy. If we just take their bodies and nothing else, there's no story, they, they don't even know each other. Let's pretend they don't even know each other. And we want them to take the positions of these energies. We're like, hey, you're going to be in the masculine. You do that with your body. What would that look like to do that with your body? Well, in the way I've studied this and the lineage that I've worked through, what he would do if he is being consciousness, he's going to use his body, embody, embodiment to become consciousness. He needs to go deep. Consciousness is deep, whereas feminine energy could be a little bit more chaotic and sporadic. Consciousness is about making the moment as deep as possible. When we use our bodies to do that, what that would look like is really deep, deep, deep breath. Like the masculine in that couple, the man in this example, would have incredibly deep breath. Now, ladies listening, try that out. Ask your partner the next time you are making love or you are cooking together or you're just standing in front of them. Put your hand over his lower belly, his lower abdomen, and ask him to breathe into your hand. So what it would be is like a really deep belly breath, not a chest breath, not that shallow chest breath like most of us do, but the deep belly. And have him breathe in that and see in your own body, how does that feel for you when you feel his breath in your hand? And you can even take away your hand but continue to feel him breathing. Does that make you calmer? Does that neutralize something in you? Does that even make you feel safer to feel his breath so wide and vast and deep? Notice that. And if I was going to continue to critique his body to make it more masculine, if his head is to the side, I would straighten it. That's more centered, centering the head. You know, a lot of people like to cock their heads to the side. It's kind of like a walking question mark. What we want to do is straighten the head and then dip the chin a little bit. There's an actual way you can hold your body to be in these energies. We would bring more life into his lower half where his sexual power is, where his cock is. We want that to feel heavy and weighted and earthy, not light and like sporadic and dancey. That's energy. That's feminine. We want to bring more depth. Like, like if we try to push him off the ground, even that wouldn't move him because his feet are so connected to the earth. So he's there. He's standing with this weight, with this deep belly breath. And then what does she do? So in this lineage, if she is energy, she is pleasure. She's God in skin, like sparkly, magnetic. And that doesn't always mean happy. Sometimes that means she's full body roaring. She's Kali. She's protective mama bear. Um, but in, in any sense, she is energy. So it's not about holding back, withholding, covering your smile. You shine it all out. So the feminine in this example, if we have him doing that magical stuff with his body, then she would be 
letting her body be a vessel for whatever she's feeling in that moment. So let's say she feels really turned on because he's breathing in a way she likes. Instead of withholding that and hiding back the smile and trying to be a mystery and um, being a little nervous to demonstrate how she feels, if she just gave herself permission to embody what she was feeling, maybe she'd sway her hips a little bit. Maybe she'd find her own rhythm, that rhythm that's always inside her body. She's just not used to hearing it. And she'd sway her body a little bit. Maybe she'd sway her hips. Maybe a little smile would come about. And maybe he'd do a really deep breath she liked a lot. And she'd smile even bigger. The feminine is all about being responsive. So if something happens in the world or in a date or in that practice that we're doing for this example, when something happens that changes the moment, her her mission, her job is just to reveal what that change did. So maybe he stops breathing. He holds his breath. Instead of hiding how that makes her feel, she demonstrates it. Maybe she doesn't like it. So she just makes a pouty face or she stomps her foot a little bit. That's a way that we arrive as love and we arrive as energy and pleasure, even if it's a stomp of the foot or a hiss. Like that is art. That's art and that's beautiful. And we don't know that. I remember the first time I learned about this, I was astounded. I couldn't even connect the dots in my brain that it was okay for me to hiss or roll my eyes to to demonstrate how something makes me feel. I thought anything that wasn't a smile was off limit and rude. In fact, it's rude to withhold. I don't know if I use the word rude, but it is it is unkind to the moment to withhold the truth and it's not serving him to hold the truth. Me and Dominic had many practices like this. We've done many a polarity practices and there's a moment where he may he he may like, like open his eyes in a certain way and if if I like that then I just smile a little more mm. and lean in and then he may go a little dark because I love when Dominic goes dark I always want more darkness from him so he might go uh-huh. dark and he might like darken his eyes even more he might even command me he might say Madeline take your hand to your neck and then I might do that and then I'll show him also like oh okay like that makes me feel good so that's what a polarity practice would look like is that he he embodies something she responds mm-hmm. he embodies she responds and he also watches and he responds to her response so if she hisses and stomps her feet he gets information he realizes oh she doesn't like that how can i how can i change up how i am deepening this moment maybe i need to try something new and her job is to reveal when she starts to like that new change he doesn't know if she doesn't demonstrate and reveal. So men are frustrated because they're having to play this game of guessing what she wants. And women are frustrated a lot of times with themselves because they don't even know what they want. Mm-hmm. They don't even know how things make them feel because they're so used to not being allowed to show it that we have to be gentle with ourselves. As we learn to practice these things again, we can start small. You can start small. You know, if, if our partner habitually does or says something that hurts us, we can just say, ouch, ouch. Like hold our heart, kind of like show with our shoulders, ouch. 
Or if our partner does something we like, as we stroll through the kitchen, you know, he like slaps the butt or something, and we like that, we can make a sound. Ooh. It's it just these little ways that we embed more revealing into our lives so that we can also begin to not only light up for the world, light up for ourselves, but light up for our partners and helping them learn to love us better. Hmm. I didn't directly ask you about this to going into polarity, but you did it on your own. <laughs> um, my my partner, I remember when we first got together, he said things like uh, he would use terms like polarity and all of that. and um, he was in like the conscious community in San Diego and Encinitas and I'm from deep South Louisiana and hadn't been, I mean, I, I traveled for about six years, traveled the world, um, multiple times over. I've, I've been a lot of places, but I've only lived a couple of, and, um, most of my life was new Orleans. And so when I got introduced to this very spiritual kind of hippy dippy man, and he was saying things like masculine and feminine and polarity and all this, I was like, this is cool and all. And what does it really mean? And so there's a lot of conversating, uh, about it and talking about it in theory and then in actuality and it, and it playing out, um, has wound up being a whole different experience, I think, than what sometimes people are uh, logically saying. Oh, in theory, or in a book, I read it's this, and then it's this, or it's this, or it's that. And then watching it in actuality between people, maybe that's like between you and Dominic, or between my partner and I after doing, you know, David Data is um, somebody that he has considered not a direct mentor as far as going through his programs or anything, but reading a lot of his books. and then we both enjoy John Wyland as well. And so like just seeing in some of the other people that we have in our lives as mentors, um, interestingly enough, there were some things that you were describing when I think about mentors that are in our life um, that teach us. Well, one of them I'm thinking in particular is Tantra. And then the other one is DS, um, Dab Sub Dynamics. Um, personally, like you describing what, what uh, all of that brought up a decent amount of reflection for me on some of the experiences that I've had DS. So while like when Jordan and I first got together, he was very white light and Tantra and I'm in California and, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, kind of, uh, gritty and witchy and darker, dare I say, um, in new Orleans where, you know, vampires hail and the veil is very thin. Um, mm-hmm. at least that's what, people say, but yeah, in you describing some of that, I, like he, he brought in the more Tantra thing when we first got together. And then I was more like, Oh, whoa, have you ever heard of kink? You know? And, uh, to see all of it play out, um, us merging the two, I would say, I remember the first, um, one of the first conversations that we had when he first visited me in New Orleans, that I really love this light thing that you've got going on, but I am really interested in fucking your darkness. Like I'm really mm-hmm. interested. I'm really interested in playing with whatever's dark that's going on here. Um, and I know that we originally were connecting over that kind of conversation. And I marked that as like a bonus if it swings around to it that I would love to just see what you've been pondering over with regards to yeah, what when when people say their darkness or when people reference that, um, what are your theories or ponderings over what that means and what do you i know you're working on some projects that you know 
to be determined or to be continued. But I imagine that that's something that you've given lots of consideration and lots of feeling into. So I'm, I'm, I personally, outside of what my audience wants to hear, I would like to hear that. (laughs) Can you also, uh, did you say that he said that to you or you said that to him? I said that to him. You said that to him. So I want to point out too, for people listening, that the way you said that was so queenly because many women get afraid of like speaking what their desire is. they get afraid, so they they hold it back, they repress it, or another response is more of the reactive of like, you never do this, you know, or, or getting frustrated. And the way you said that is very graceful. And it also most likely inspired him to meet you there. Because it was, I love this. And you know what else I would love? This. <laughs> it was nothing but praise in itself. Even the request in itself is praise. Mm-hmm. So I just want to highlight that Thank for you. people who listen to this and they're like, well, I want that too. Because the habitual response is normally to be like, why don't I have it? I want it. Why doesn't he do this? And there are these really unique ways as women that we can, as queens, inspire our, our partners into higher kingdom or higher queendom. And it's always through our grace and our compassion and like bringing that very sexual energy of like, and this is what I want to do. <laughs> um, yeah. So I love that. So the, can you ask me again what the question was about the yeah. darkness? What I can specifically. Yeah. I mean, that's more or less what you've been considering, mm. what you've been feeling into, what you've been experiencing on that. Because I know that at some point that might be a main topic. Yeah, just based off of previous conversations. So I love darkness so much. Um, And one of the things that I think is so, I mean, there's many things that are really liberating about the darkness. Well, this is where I feel like starting. Um, When we look at light and we look at dark, we look at shadow sides. For anyone that happens to be new to that, area of truly understanding what that means one of the best examples is that um the light side of the protector and we we love protectors and we love being a protector and we know when we're in the presence of someone who's the true protector we can feel it we can feel it in our bodies we can feel it in our wombs we're like oh yeah we're safe and we know the feeling of being in someone who's not a protector And so when you were talking about the San Diego Encinitas love and light white tantra kind of energy, I typically do not feel very safe in that environment. And it's not Mm -hmm. because I'm like, oh, these guys are creepy. That's not it at all. Mm -mm. It's that I don't think that they know their darkness. Not talking about your partner. I don't know your partner. But in general, like when I think about the, 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 the man who's wearing the crystal talisman, that's like ginormous and the burning man clothes not saying this for all, uh, bless everybody's heart and out there. I'm just saying for that specific flavor of the man who identifies as that, not because there are many people who have that flavor, but they have other flavors. Mm-hmm. And there are some people who found that flavor and then went all in and identified it with it of being the peace, love and good vibes guy. And I don't feel safe with that energy because I don't feel that person knows their darkness. I feel safe with me so I can hang out with them all I want, but I'm not going to be romantically open and inclined to move towards that energy because they don't know their darkness. And so 
I don't feel like mine will be greatly deepened with him. And I want deep. I want someone that's going to pull out my own darkness and where our darkness is going to fuck each other. And then we're going to go to new places and then we can rise up into the light. Because after, not to say that we need to suffer in sex, but this, this theme of suffering on one side and grace on the other has been a really big deal for me this year. I did 15 ayahuasca ceremonies. So I've suffered a lot in that regard of a lot of physical pain and uh, throwing up just like really, really, really painful, crawling on the knees, trying to find my bucket kind of vibes. Mm -hmm. And on the opposite end of those purges is immense grace, falling back on my mattress. I'm like, oh my God, I feel so good. Thank God that that's out of me now. So that theme has popped up a lot in my life. And that's also something that I feel is present whenever we're in these darker places, dom, sub, pain, pleasure, suffering, grace. And those kinds of, that kind of polarity it creates trust in the partnership. So going back to the thing about the protector, um, I don't think that the love and light dude is a protector at all because he's not also a killer. And in order to be a protector of a family, you have to be willing to kill. You have to. If you're not willing to kill, you're not a protector. Sorry, you're not. And... And that's same for what, like, that's, I'm looking at that in my own life. Like, am I willing to kill? I'm not looking for a dude to come up and be that for me. I'm like, am I willing to kill? And as Kali would, would probably say, if she was here, um, we don't just, we don't kill only for hate. We kill for love. And John Wineland talks so beautifully about this, of how when you're in partnership, and let's say she, you're a dude and, 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 and she's giving you some half-hearted responses. It's not the truth of her heart. In that moment, he's willing to kill. He's willing to, to kill and fight for her integrity. He's not going to let her get away with that close-hearted bullshit because he's devoted to love. So we, He's going to slice through that bullshit and say, give me your truth. Even if it means you're going to scream, fuck you, say something because I'm not settling for lukewarm love and that's a protector because he is protecting that love by killing her withholding and that's confronting the nice love and light guy is going to skip over it and be like well that's how you feel right now so unconditional love like whatever call me whenever you're ready or he'll see her, <laughs> like he'll see he'll like make a pass on her and then she'll stop breathing because she's uncomfortable but he won't see it he won't, he won't be able to recognize, oh, she stopped breathing. Therefore, she's probably uncomfortable. Let me take a step back, check in with her. He's just like, you know, let's just keep going with the flow. And, and, and he's not willing to, to kill the moment. Someone who's truly familiar with even their darkness in that lens is, is willing to stop that erotic moment because he sees that she's not breathing. Even if it kills the romance, he's going to stop. Like, so our darkness can come up in really beautiful, sweet, tender ways. It's not always about wearing leather and choking each other out. Like, sometimes it's about stopping what you're doing. Like, you're protecting the moment by killing the moment. But in the, in the other sense, like, just feeling, like, in the actual dark, like, BDSM kinky kind of way, that when I, in the most, like, simple way to put it, when I feel like someone can 
can deliver even past his own personal preferences. I don't want him to be uncomfortable, but maybe his favorite flavor isn't darkness, but he knows that that's your favorite flavor. That is a true act of heroicism is to swoop in and deliver that dark flavor for you because he knows that's going to liberate something in you. That's going to liberate your good girl. The part of you that wants to be sweet and good and pretty and like tidy. Because when you enter that dark space, things get dirty. They get dirty. They get a little bit messy. And it takes immense attention to the subtleties. How she's breathing, how he's breathing, how she said that, how he said that. The safe word. How, how tight are your fingers on the back of her hair? does it feel like you went a little too far? Can you loosen up? Like that kind of subtlety attention. I want to know whoever my partner is that they can be that tuned into my body, that they can take me to those places and make me stop breathing even for a second because I trust them so much that they'll bring my breath back. Like that kind of intimacy, there's nothing like it to me. You, You can't, for me at least, I can't go to the depths of intimacy with a partner unless we're willing to get a little bit into pain and a little bit into fear and then back out of that and then go back into the grace together. Mm. Madeline, (laughs) I had a feeling that our conversation was going to go in a similar fashion to how it unfolded, which was a true unfolding as if it were a flower coming into bloom. It, uh, yeah, dynamic and poetic and truth filled. And there were at, there were times, you know, I, I get um, people responding to some of the episodes talking about my voice and some of the things that I'm saying and it having an erotic charge or it evoking something in them. And there were definitely periods of time where you were on a flow and the thing that you were saying, I was like, if someone is to, if they're tuned in with their body and they're paying attention to how you are in, uh, doing the inflection in your voice and how you're flowing your energy, then just listening to you, they would be taken on a mm. journey. They would be taken mm. on a ride. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. it's so good. And um, yes, thank you for sharing what I imagine is just a tiny drop in the bucket of wisdom and depth and curiosities um, of the things that, that you are passionate about that are embedded into you that have been gifted to you. Um, it was an honor to have the conversation and to bring it to my people. I imagine that this convo is going to be very different to some of the other conversations that all of y'all listening, where I show my Southern roots there. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a phrase that's more Southern than all of y'all. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So I imagine that there's some of y'all that are listening that were like, well, damn. <laughs> How do I find out more? Like Mm -hmm. I just listened to this Madeline Moon chick and she blew my damn brain. And now what do I do? I want to learn more. So Madeline, I would love for you to share. I know you have amazing coaching containers. I have seen a very brief overview of your Sisu Society. Um, Bryn raves about it. And I would love for you to take a moment and just Mm. share with the people how they can interact with you more, play with you more. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for even making that note about my voice and how mm-hmm. uh, that in itself is a bit of a journey that means a lot to me. So thank you. And everyone can connect with me at maddiemoon.com. That's two D's and a Y. And I'm very active on Instagram, Madeline Moon, M-A-D-E-L-Y-N Moon. 
And my podcast, as I said, has been around for seven years. It's called Mind Body Musings. I had no idea I would be talking so much about relationships and sex back then. So I thought Mind Body Musings with Maddie Mood. Like I was just obsessed with alliteration. So you can find that on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, anywhere the podcasts are available. And I do have the CSU Society, which is my group coaching program. Um, it is a really wonderful space, two calls per month as of right now. Um, that might that might be shifting a little bit how the structure is, but as of right now, it's two calls a month. And there's a huge archive already of tons of different calls. Everything gets posted back up. So you'll have an entire library of this kind of work available to you the minute you sign up. And you can cancel anytime. And then I have my one-on-one coaching. I do six months or 12 months with people. I only take on a few clients at a time. So if you're interested in something like that, you can get all the details on my website, maddiemoon.com, and you can reach out. And I think that's about it. That's all I'm working on right now in, in that scope. Um, and it's a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, it is a lot. <laughs> and I'm also working on a novel, which I'm like throwing my entire life into right now. So everybody keep your eyes out. Mm. 2021, a book by me coming out in the fiction world. Whoa. Yeah. That's awesome. Madeline, thank you again for being on the show. I am so looking forward to, you know, I would say the last couple of months you've been on my radar and been in my space. And so I'm so looking forward to what that journey is going to look like moving forward as I stay connected with you. I am now one of your followers. And then of course, Bren being in the mix too, who's a little bit ahead of me (laughs) Um, and just interacting with some of your work and you know, and being curious, I mean, for us, we've been, or I have, I have been in this space for a while. And, um, you know, there wasn't a a bit of language that you shared on the show that I haven't heard before. Um, and, and I think that there are times when I hear the language and I'm maybe in a retreat or I'm at a workshop, or I'm speaking with someone who's an embodiment practitioner or coach or teacher or something. And, I play the role or I do the things or I like do the experiences and then I go into life and some of it translates, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show. And, um, and I'm, I'm amazed at the fact that I have been in this for several years and I've been doing this. And of course the work is never done and it's going to be the whole rest of my life, but, um, hearing being in this kind of conversation over an hour length of time, connected with you, listening to you, feeling you while you were um, speaking and watching your body language and everything where I'm like, wow, there's, you know, it's reinvigorating and re-inspiring me for my own personal journey to, um, go deeper to go further. Maybe there were some bits in there that while I've heard the language before, I didn't, I don't fully understand on a cellular level what that means. So I am re-inspired to dig even further back into this work. And so thank you on a personal level. Yeah, Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's of course, I I know that feeling of like being in the work and, and then understanding it and enjoying it, but knowing that there's there's deeper layers, there's more depth. Mm-hmm. And I feel that when I look at my teachers, I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's like, you just can't, how deep can we go into the body? You know, mm-hmm. how deep can we go? And so that's what I'm signing up for in this lifetime. And happy that that resonates with you as well. Yeah. Fuck yes. All right, lady. Thanks again. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe. So you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. 
I'll see y'all next week.